Hello everybody and welcome to the second special Coronacast edition of Overly Honest Dads. My name's Matt, I'm your host and I'm joined as I always am by Magnus. Hi everyone. And John. Hello everybody. And today is a very, very special edition of our little podcast because uh, later on we're going to have our first ever guest. Um, We're going to be joined by my old school friend, Phil. Um, We're getting Phil involved in the podcast for uh, a very important reason, and that's because he's just become a dad for the second time during a global pandemic, during lockdown. And he's going to share with us his his story, essentially, of what it's like to go through the process of having uh, a pregnant wife and, uh, and, and the whole birth happening during lockdown so after um, our opening section after a bit of dad news phil is going to join us and uh, he'll tell us his story um uh, but until then we're going to update you on what our lockdown lives have been since we last caught up um john do you do you want to go first do you want to tell us uh, about what's been happening in your lockdown life recently yes happy to well not happy to because the story i have is quite sad oh um, yeah well you guys are gonna laugh anyway cause... anyway um I basically, like everybody, uh, mind you, besides Magnus, who has a luscious afro, uh, everybody's hair is getting a little too long, and so are my kids. Um, so I normally cut my youngest hair because he doesn't like being touched and all the rest are going to the barbers and whatnot. So I normally cut his hair, so I cut his hair like I normally do, fine haircut. And the oldest was like, oh, daddy, can you take off the sides a little bit? I said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I, I started cutting his hair, and he moved. And he did a bit of hole. So I had to go a little short on the sides. Uh, and then my wife comes in and goes, no, it looks awful. You need to do the whole thing off. And we cut his hair off and he cried so much. Oh, So much. But... And dude, it broke my damn heart. It really did. It really, oh. really did. How much Even hair has he got left now? He's, he's gone to number one, mate. Oh, what? Because his mum just said, oh, the side looks terrible. Just shave it all one colour. One, sorry, one colour, one, one length. And because the sides were quite short, I was trying to do a fade, which was coming out quite nicely, then moved and obviously yanked a hole in there. So I had to sort of, you know, take everything to one length. He cried. He's never had his hair that long um, as far back as, you know, since he was born. So he was, he's really short and, and yeah, it, it looks really bad. And I felt, I've never felt so bad in my life. I really I haven't sort of let him stay up till 11 last night and we watched avengers age of ultron and i was just hugging him and i felt so bad i went for a walk today he was wearing a hat and i felt like a dick all day i really did i oh. still feel like a dick now so yeah in him while you're watching movie. sorry you, you were hugging him while he yeah was... yeah i was hugging him yeah yeah i was hugging him he was being hugged uh, by his attacker yeah <laughs> yeah he was being hugged by his attacker and as i was looking at ultron and metal head i was thinking it looks a bit like my no joking um <laughs> no but it was it is so bad it really is so bad i feel like such a dirtbag really but didn't. also also so is age of ultron i mean that is easily the worst of the marvel films in my opinion and yeah, but we're watching them in it watching them in order so this is the next oh, one right, okay, 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 we're watching okay. all 12 fair yeah. enough fair enough Do, oh, does, he actually look, does he actually look all right with it though because some people suit that hairstyle Oh, he's my son, sadly, he doesn't, um, with a short haircut, sadly, no. Oh, oh yeah. that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, so, Magnus, what's your lockdown dad news? Lockdown dad news. Um, I, oh, I, oh, I hate it. I hate this lockdown now. It's, it's getting under my, my, my skin. Um, I don't think it's doing my, my family any favours whatsoever. 
but it, it's of course a completely necessary thing uh, as of I think yesterday we stopped the capping which would make that day Thursday and not today Thursday which is what I initially thought um, and that's what lockdown is doing messing with everyone's minds um, the numbers are coming down uh, which is which is definitely a good thing and uh, I guess that the country's been working together with, with social distancing, maybe not as well as they could have. But Sorry, the coming... just interrupt you. You've stopped clapping. Yeah, the, the clapping has oh, yeah. stopped yesterday. It's ending now, yeah. It's the last, not last round... clap was yesterday. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, not yeah. round mine. Round my... oh, oh, right, so yesterday was the last clap. Yeah. Clapping. Okay. Well, even today. They're just constantly... It's just clapping for like two weeks, mate. Hands are killing me. Oh, goodness me. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, the, the, the person that had uh, uh, organised the clapping had, had said that it had run its course, so uh, we, should, we should stop. Organise the clapping? Uh, I, I, I think, uh, some, some lady, I, I, I don't know. Some lady jumped. Mm, fair enough. So, do you have any lockdown news other than dis- disliking lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> I would say there hasn't been many changes from last week. Um, too many changes. Things are kind of tough around here these days, to, to be honest. Yeah, my, my kid is um, really not eating her food very well. Um, she is teething at the minute. Uh, she, she never really, when she had her teeth kept coming out last time, she never really complained. So we never really got to experience teething like everyone else does. Um, but now she's doing the whole thing where her gums, uh, uh, you know, she's um, dribbling a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. She's complaining with her mouth closed and uh, yeah. over and over and over. Um, and she, she'll wake up like half an hour early and do that. And we've got red eyes and she'll do it at like 6 in the morning. And it's just like, wow, okay, that, that, that's bloody intense. And now she's fucking throwing food across the oh, room. Oh, really? Yeah, she's <laughs> food it's just all these these little things she she's ripping my glasses off my face um currently because it's summer her nails are growing really really quickly so i'm having to chop her nails all the time and if i leave it for one day her nails stick out some more and then she'll grab my glasses rip them off my face and scratch my face so today enough and i have been researching how to discipline my child finally um like wow my, my, yeah <laughs> my, my partner she she knows how to discipline kids because she has been working with kids for years um but it's now my turn uh and so i've been i've been researching how to discipline kids um what else has she been doing uh she can practically run um she is figuring out puzzles at an alarming rate she's saying even more words than she did last week um yeah it's fucking chaotic <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you put it. No, but it's nice, man. At least you've seen all the development. You got to think and appreciate. As much as it's stressful now, no other parents before us really, or dad before us really, got the level of appreciation we are get, we're getting at the moment. With the level of involvement that other dads are getting before you know before us, because everybody was working. Yeah. In a way, appreciate as long as it lasts, because soon enough we were going to be fucking back at work anyway. 
Yeah, agreed. I completely agree. It's a precious time. Uh, you know, she's getting to, to spend all the time, both of her parents, for several months during this really important stage. It's really good. The, the only negative to this is that she absolutely needs to be around other children. And that's not something that can be done. We, I think uh, currently we're, we're allowed to um, have one other family that we can meet up with regularly that have uh, self-isolated. Um, and that may include two families as of next week. Is that right, Matt? Uh, I've not heard about that. I don't think there's any families you should be meeting up with, is my understanding. You can as of next week, I think you can. As of next week, but, but right now you can meet one person outside of your house. One um, person, yeah. yeah. You can't meet, well, that's just like, it's literally just two people can meet up in a public space, two metres apart. And then yeah. as of next week, you can have, what is it? You can just meet up with people in gardens or parks. Something Are you admitting like you've been breaking the rules, Magnus? Yeah. No, 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 no. She, I report she, you. <laughs> no, we call you Dominic Cummings from now on. <laughs> it, she hasn't been meeting anyone, and th this is a real problem because she's going into a park now, and uh, when, when when we take her out, she's she's frightened of people. Before she would walk through the park and wave for everyone. She was a really social kid, but now she's having meltdowns. Um, when it comes to, 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 to just randomness and, you know, when she would see, see a dog, if the dog gets too close, which dogs shouldn't, they should be able to fucking leave, but if they get too close, <laughs> um, then she loses her mind. And she never did that. She was a really, really social kid. Uh, so we're taking her out more, you know, we're showing her people, we're, we're, we're telling her to wave at people, and she's slowly coming back out of her shell. But it's it's a real shame that it's, it, it's um it's something that has has been a it's uh, has been a consequence of this this pandemic. Um, but yeah, there we are. How about you, man. Fair enough. Well, actually, I can link kind of one of the things Magnus has said with one of the things I've been doing most in the last week. So well, that's not a Magnus. Haircut. No, no, it's not. But Magnus mentioned glasses being taken off his head by Quinn. I've had that same issue with Emily. But um, I think I mentioned last week that I have been consuming a lot of content from a kids group called the Wiggles. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I've I've gone deeper down the Wiggles hole, as it were. Um, <laughs> so just to reiterate for anyone out there, the Wiggles is an Australian children's music group. They were formed in Sydney in 1991, although in 2013, the, the, uh, all but one of the members of the Wiggles changed. Now, the reason it links in with what Magnus has said is because um, the Wiggles have lots of songs that explain life to preschool kids um essentially i think they're aimed at essentially one upwards um and they've got a song called put my glasses on and since i've shown emily that song she stops reaching for my glasses ever unless Sweet. i invite her to and i'm not going to sing the song but essentially it, it just says uh -huh. that these these are glasses these these are what they're for um so yeah here's a funky song about glasses and i think the wiggles are amazing so just to tell you all about them so there's four members of the wiggles you have um anthony the blue wiggle he's from the original band formed in 91 then you have Lockie, the purple wiggle he's uh he sings um he sings very nicely and plays keyboards you have Simon. He's um, got the uh, quite an operatic voice. And then you've got Emma, the ye yellow wiggle, who sings, dances and plays drums. 
and it's just really wholesome content for kids so there's two series of one of their shows on netflix they've done a bunch of stuff throughout their throughout their period of time but i'm thinking if we go back to the old wiggle stuff it probably seems a little bit old and there's no female representation there so modern wiggles have female representation but yeah their songs are just fun um you often see them on um on playlist of nursery rhymes and that kind of thing and there's a bunch of kid songs they've done I, i'd point you in the direction of a few particular songs i'd point you in the direction of do the propeller um do the propeller is a ch- around in my head you've got hot potato um also a tune um uh, one i'm quite liking at the moment is about koalas and it's called koala by um that's quite a good one that's right. just that's just Lockie as piano singing about koalas. Um, what I'm essentially saying, uh, trust me, the Wiggles are not paying me for this. This is just uh, my own personal recommendation. But if you're a parent of preschool kids, get on the Wiggles, man. They're pretty fun. And it's well, wholesome. Because you've been hanging on about them so much, I reckon you should sing us a song, mate. No. I think that's only fair. That's only fair, no. really, isn't it? <laughs> no, because Emily's asleep in the room behind me and she doesn't need uh, that. And, and also, she hears me doing do the propeller. She'll want to come and dance to it. Cause oh, there's no, a, wow. There's a dance where you sort of move your arms around like propellers. Um, and so, yeah. Um, my dad news is that everyone with preschool kids should go and listen to the Wiggles because they're fun and wholesome. And one thing that... Um, one of my friends, uh, old friends, has been telling me about kids' content these days, things like Paw Patrol and that kind of stuff, is that there's no real moral to it. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, entertainment for entertainment's sake. There's nothing you can really take away from it. And so uh, when I think about what content do I want Amelie to consume, it's going to be stuff that has some kind of merit to it, is, you know, uh, especially if it's musical or creative in some way. And I feel that the Wiggles tick all of those boxes. Um, and, you know, uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Do, go listen to the Wiggles. Um, right, so that's Dad News for this week. Um, we're going to go and chill for a minute. And when we come back, we're going to have our first ever guest on the podcast, which is very exciting. I can't wait. I hope you're excited. Um, yeah, we'll see you in a bit. Bye. Welcome back to this special CoronaCast edition of Overly Honest Dads. And we've got a first for this podcast. We've got our first ever guest. I'm going to give you a quick introduction to our wonderful guest. So um, we're joined today by my oldest friend, my oldest friend, Phil. Um, Now, Phil is a great man. Um, I met him in January of 1994. Uh, just to give you a bit of context, in 1994, John Major was the Prime Minister of the UK. Bill Clinton was two years into his first term of office, and it was a very different world than today. So Phil and I have seen the world change a great deal and change the extent that we are now fathers. And Phil has just become a father for the second time. And we wanted to get him on because he has um, the, the experience of going through, well, not him personally, but his uh, as wife going through the experience of being pregnant and giving birth during a global pandemic and i think that's an interesting perspective to share with you all on the podcast so let me welcome my great friend phil hi phil how are you doing hi matt yeah i'm good thanks uh, thanks for that um lengthy introduction I, I could have gone longer, but I f- figured I didn't want to embarrass you too much. Um, and uh, and yeah, so so let's get straight into it. So Phil, you've just uh, 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 you've just had your second son arrive. Uh, I mean, first off, just how are you doing? How are you holding up? Yeah, we're we're doing well. Um, things are slowly coming back to us about how you keep a newborn alive. Um, so we're Crucial doing good. Stuff. Baby's baby's doing good. Um, 
my wife Becky, she's doing good. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Great, great. But obviously, you're very tired. I think that's what a lot of people are going to want to hear right now. Yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> kind of comes with it, doesn't it? I don't know if we um, need to explain that too much, but it's just sleepless nights and yeah, everything you... that goes with uh, feeding a child at two in the morning and every other sort of two hourly interval from there. Yeah, and do you feel that you're better prepared for it? Is it like, I guess it's sort of less of a shock to the system second time around? Uh, in a way, but in a way I'm also very stupid and hadn't really <laughs> considered that things would be slightly different, already having a child and then having a newborn as well. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of, um, it's the experience of being a first-time father, but magnified, I think. Yeah, because don't people say that uh, when it comes to kids, one feels like one and two feels like ten? I've like, heard that you've before, so, yeah. So many people, I'm, yeah. I'm still hoping they're lying. Fair you, enough. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Do you feel more stressed uh, this time around or last time around? Uh, of the first couple of days and all the rest of it, do you feel stressed or, or you felt more stressed last time? Cause... No, I'd say I'd say... The first time around was more stressful. This time you kind of have a bit of faith that you, you know generally what you you're doing. Yeah. And it's all just very basic in terms of feeding and changing nappies and everything like that. It's kind of cyclical. Yeah. Because I, I felt the first one really like destroyed me, I think. And also it was feeding every 45 minutes and it was just an absolute nightmare. And the second it was sort of like she was like the best of the three in the end. And she was just a dream. She would just sleep through after the first feed. It was amazing. So like the second for me was like a dream in comparison. We still had sleepless nights here and there, but she was amazing in comparison. You got difference in sleep patterns or is it definitely every two hours for both of them? Or how did that go? Yeah, we were really lucky with our first Noah. He, he, he slept through from a very young age. Um, and he, he'd, from, from being a newborn, he'd wake up a, sort of two or three times in the night for a feed but that dropped off so quickly that we were kind of sleeping through till uh, maybe like five or six um from two months in which was nice. yeah we, we didn't really tell many people about that because we just quickly become hated by any friends that have children and yeah uh, don't have yeah. that <laughs> yeah was- i remember th- I remember that we were talking to uh, some friends of ours about Amelie sleeping through, but they knew that we were just about to get to the point of sleep regression and they had like little smiles on their faces saying that, that I now know man, Oh, you're in for a world of pain when sleep regression hits. Um, and they were right. Uh, but anyway, Phil, the main reason we got you on, um, not, you know, obviously we got you on cause you're a great guy and, a, and my oldest friend, but also because I want to hear about the experience of having a kid during uh, the age of Corona. So I'm interested to know sort of, Obviously, you know, this sort of stuff all came on the news around New Year. Um, when did it become clear that it was going to affect you guys and Becky's pregnancy? Um, I think it got into sort of February when it re- when we realised that it was spreading and um, the nature of these things is it doesn't really stop on its own, that you've got to take some sort of action. And as a nation, nothing much was was happening. Everyone seemed quite laid back. And that was at the time when we started having conversations about whether we should keep sending our our, um, firstborn Noah to nursery. Okay. Um, And it was probably a couple of weeks after that where we started thinking, oh, actually, 
Um, this is going to have a real effect on going to hospital and midwife appointments and things like that as well. Yeah, and and so, so what what was the first actual thing that was different because of Corona? Like, w- w- did things change in terms of you being able to go with Becky to appointments at a hospital or, or, or midwives? I mean, what was the actual like practical real life effect that it had on the whole process for you? Yeah, it was, to be honest, it was fairly minimal to begin with because it was just the routine midwife appointments that, yeah, I wasn't able to go to. But then this time around, we've obviously got a child to, to look after anyway. So um, it was kind of, well, I'll stay at home and, and watch him. Um, and Becky went off and she was back in sort of 20 minutes or so. It was not was never anything that I felt like I was missing out a great deal on. But that was mainly because I'd gone to almost every single appointment the first time around. Yeah, I was the same, actually. I went to everything first time around, including all the, was it scrapes that they're called? Is it scrapes? Ooh. I don't remember. Sounds, sounds awful. What is that? Yeah. It, was, it was something when Alex was really pregnant and she'd go into the midwife and she'd, you know, lie back and the <laughs> midwife would. I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm <laughs> doing a gesture over video. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off topic here. So what was it? I'm interested to know, Phil, was there like clear advice from the NHS about what you should and shouldn't be doing? I mean, how was that side of things? Uh, not really. It, it all kind of started, well, when, when it started off, um, the government actually issuing any sort of advice, they'd said that pregnant women weren't actually at any particular increased risk Um from the virus and then they backtracked on that a couple of weeks later and said actually yeah you you, you fall into one of the um well, critical categories or whatever it is that they, the terminology is that they were using so um it went from yeah you're probably okay just be cautious kind of follow the the advice that everyone's been given um to uh, best not leave the house too much really um but uh, was that the advice for becky specifically then just to sort of try and stay indoors as much as possible uh yeah yeah it was um and then because then we started having conversations about shielding and what i should and shouldn't really be doing and you know so it turned into both of us pretty much staying at home an awful lot um Okay, and w- w- were they using the word w- wording with the word shielding? Is that was that a thing for you guys? Uh, again, I don't really remember seeing that referred to as for, in terms of pregnancy, but it kind of made sense to me because they they'd used the word sh- word shielding for elderly people. So if you're caring for someone elderly, then the idea was that you you know you you shield them by not exposing yourself to the virus and then passing it on. Um, and if they were saying that, you know, pregnant women were falling almost into the same category as the elderly, that, that I should be doing that as well. And we also have another shielder with us, John. Disabled John. <laughs> no, you, we which... don't call you disabled John. <laughs> you probably should. I've got a disabled we call, bad. We call you MS John. <laughs> MS John, respect, there you go. More respectful that way. Um, yeah, because yeah, so, so for John, so Phil, just I, uh, you won't. The, we did a Corona cast that's not out yet, but um, John is shielding because him and his wife have MS. And, and and John, maybe you can just mention the the, the how the shielding process works because it's pretty full on in terms of the communications you get. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's mental because we got the letter 
Um, and basically just said, you need to be home for three months, simple as, and it's fair enough. And then I started getting text messages and phone calls about, have you got enough food? Are you, are you sorted for the next week? Is everything okay? Do you need any help? Do you guys, and both me and my wife are getting phone calls from uh, sort of the government basically checking in on people. They've got agencies in place to check in on people, making sure they're shielded, making sure they have everything they need in the house and all the rest of it, which was a bit insane because on the other hand, I had uh, um, my nurse and my neurologist kind of saying, we think with MS it's difficult that you get corona, but obviously, you know, we're, we're asking everybody to be safe. So, you know, just follow the, the rules for the moment and sort of see how things develop. Basically, I've heard nothing back and I'm still kind of, you know, stuck at home now. And though today, for the first time, I did go for a cheeky run, which I shouldn't have done, but it's my first run in three months and I, well, two months and a half and I really needed it. So there you go. Yeah, yeah so that's the situation for me. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not too long till we're recording this podcast in my garden um yes that, that's that's the new thing isn't it um hanging out in gardens um so phil to get back to um to to your stuff so um obviously when you're leading up to the birth of any child now you know there's going to be an element of nerves there and um and obviously first child very nervous but i'm interested to know how that how the coronavirus played into um how you were feeling or you were both feeling you and becky in the in the run-up to the birth i mean paint me a picture of sort of uh how you guys um uh were doing in the face of uh you know coronavirus uh yeah well so everything escalated really quickly um for everyone really and it was the same for the advice that uh, maternity wards were giving and then we realized that the advice differed depending on which part of the country you're in as well. So we were looking at, um, at the, the Nottinghamshire trust and, uh, they were saying at the most, uh, sort of severely restricted points that you weren't having a home birth. And we thought, well, we're not, we did, we hadn't planned to have a home birth anyway. Um, so that shouldn't affect us particularly, but then, um, started hearing stories from uh, friends who were also expecting, um, saying that uh, the birthing partners weren't being allowed in either. Oh. And that was when sort of the anxiety level started to rise, thinking, well, Becky's first um, labour was very quick. Uh, we went, she went, her waters broke at 6 p.m., and uh, we got to the hospital at eight and um, Noah was born at 20 past 11. So, wow. uh, yeah, it was it was really quick. And then all throughout the pregnancy, all anyone had ever said to us was, uh, oh, you know, future babies come even quicker. And there wasn't really much time that you're thinking, well, we've kind of got to get well in, in this time as well. We've had to arrange for my parents to look after Noah whilst we then went to the hospital. And, and so it was the stress of the practicalities of what we could do. Um, and then the additional issue of, you know, if I'm going to be allowed in and um, they were being really strict about if you, if you, um, that she had to be in a certain stage of labor for me to be able to stay. And then, um, I would have to leave pretty much as soon as the baby was born and I wouldn't be allowed to come back until they were discharged. So oh. the, so is that how it worked out? So it was Colborn and then you just had to fuck off, essentially? 
No, we were really lucky actually. Um, the so it was another really quick labour. Um, we woke up on the Sunday morning, and Becky was having a lot of back pain. And then she noticed her mucus plug had gone. Um, You've forgotten which... about mucus plug. Oh, I did. I didn't Forget want to look at these terminologies. <laughs> yeah, just said that was yeah. blowing my nose, man. That's disgusting. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that was she woke up about five with that, and then, um, and then by six, we'd realised that her, her yeah, she'd had her show, and um, we should probably start like moving really. Um, and we got to this is how, this is how quick it happened. We got to my mum's, um, dropped off Noah and. Becky even had a slice of toast. <laughs> and then we left there at um, eight and then got to the hospital at half eight. And then Cole was born at four minutes past ten. Jesus, that's super quick. So, yeah. yeah we still mess around? No, we, when we wow. got there, they, um, they examined her and, and she was five centimetres dilated. And the, the cutoff, whoever had decided it was four centimetres or above and you can stay anything less than that then you've got to sod off and come back at a more convenient time i guess i don't know um that is quick yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true man bloody hell it's incredible and, uh, I'm, I'm surprised it's that quick i'm quite i'm quite envious to be honest given what we went how, through jesus yeah how close were you to the due date I'm not asked that yet uh, she was three days over. Oh, so. Okay, so it was, so you were expecting it around that time. It wasn't early or anything. Yeah. Okay. No, no, it wasn't wasn't early. But um, yeah, the hospital was really quiet when we got there. Um, we had the same midwife the entire way through, which I suppose isn't a surprise really, given the time frames. But yeah. she only had she only had us as patients. She wasn't going back and forth to see anyone else. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah, and we we left the same day. It was. Uh, about five o'clock in the after- evening um, when we got discharged. Oh, was um, it City you were at? Yes, yeah, yeah, City Hospital in Nottingham, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, from that point of view, we, it all kind of went as well as it possibly could have done. But, you know, if we'd have, if it had been diff- different and we'd been watching um, uh, Life and Birth on BBC One and uh, some poor woman had been induced and she'd been in you know in the hospital for five days waiting for things to happen just think god if that had happened and in you know at this point then you know i wouldn't have been able to have been there for the majority of the time becky's sort of on her own um it's more work for the staff there midwives and everything to hold her hand and make sure she's okay and get whatever she needs from her bag and everything it makes sense for to me it makes sense for um for a birthing partner to be allowed there but obviously there's things i don't appreciate about how infections spread that uh, have hopefully been taken into consideration and were the reason why that all these restrictions were put in place yeah it must be a difficult balance because obviously you don't want pregnant women and babies to be infected with a disease like that but at the same time women in labor you know they appreciate support and having someone around them to to help with 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 stuff i mean even if as the father in that situation you can feel a bit like a useless gooseberry at times um you know 
it's still reassuring to have someone around. So I imagine if, you know, if, if, if a woman isn't, um, the, the, you know, the, the baby machine that Becky seems to be the, uh, you know, the, uh, the efficient popper outer of human babies, then, you know, you, you might be in for a worse time. It seems like, you know, all things considered, you guys got, you know, did fairly well with the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it couldn't have come any, any, it's a better time, a better point in the day. Um, and everything else just sort of fell into place. We'd, we'd sort of been joking beforehand, say, you know, talking to the bump and saying, if you could, oh, if you can come and we'll get there at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning and be home by five o'clock. And that's almost what <laughs> happened, really. So, so clearly Cole was listening and followed yeah, his Yeah, my, my worry is now he's going to completely fuck us over and just, <laughs> that, that's going to, going to be the, the one thing that he does for us that we've asked of him. So, yeah, and I just wanted to ask how, how everything's been. I mean, just, you know, not just in terms of this uh, podcast, but also as a mate, like, how, how have you guys as a family been? I mean, in terms of you, Becky, and also how Noah's reacting to everything? Uh, yeah, we've, we've, been, we've been good, really. Um, I mean, it has, it's had its positives and negatives. Um, Firstly, because you can't be inundated and overwhelmed by loads of people coming around to see the baby and everything. Um, yeah, good point. But, actually, I hadn't thought about that. But then, on the negative side, then you know your grandparents. It's, it's yeah, it's, uh, see them. Yeah, it's a really special time for really close relatives to come around and see the baby and start that bonding process as well. So. Um, it's such a shame that they can't do that. And then, well, my because my parents had Noah overnight for that first night. And they oh, came wow. back. The sec- yeah, so they came back the second day uh, to drop him off. But because the guidance from the hospital at the moment is that you should self isolate for fourteen days because you've been in hospital and potentially exposed to the virus. Um, but it was them standing in the garden whilst we had the back door open. And- just sort of looking at the newborn, which is not an easy That's, thing for, uh, for them. It must be heartbreaking for your mum. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, my mum my was a nurse, so she, I think she kind of understands it a little bit more, but it doesn't make it yeah. a great deal easier, I don't think. No, it doesn't. Um, how's Noah reacting? Because, um, I mean, he's still quite young. Um, it was 30, 13 months, is it? 14 months uh 15 or oh, 15 15 and a bit yeah yeah, yeah. so does um, he know what does he realize what's going on what's his level of comprehension about the situation i have no idea <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he knows um uh he he seems to be reacting pretty well to it he's only tried to smack cole on, in the head a couple of times and wherever, <laughs> sort of grab his arm um but he's he's been really good like he's we we'd sort of throughout the pregnancy just been telling him that there's a baby in mummy's tummy and getting him to stroke the baby and um and that sort of carried on since cole's been born um he he really doesn't like it when cole cries cole will cry every time he has to have a nappy change um just for the simple fact that we've disturbed him and you know Mm -hmm. bit bit cold and everything uh yeah yeah it was the first time we changed cole's nappy he was crying and we were sort of going back and forth between Cole and Noah just to make sure that Noah was all right. And then all of a sudden Noah 
flung his arms around Becky and just burst into tears. Um, oh. Which was, yeah, it was sort of heart-wrenching to see because you read between the lines, you almost interpret it that he was worried that something was wrong with the baby yeah. or that, yeah, I don't know. But he's been, he's been great. Um, he is such a, a good kid. Um, I think we've got to stop calling him a baby at this point because he just looks massive compared to Cole. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> knocking on the door a toddler now, isn't he? So it's not yeah. far off. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, we hit so about you, but I mean, I think Amelie's uh, uh, definitely getting to toddler point, and I imagine that Quinn Magnus is, is at the toddler stage as well, pretty much at this point, or near enough. Magnus? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. She, she's a similar age, um, actually. She's 16 months now. Um, yeah. So uh, j- j- just to go back to a point, Phil, um, yeah. I've been just thinking about this in my head. Uh, in our earlier podcast, we had discussed newborns and pr- the way they cry and how it's, it's so finely tuned um, to the, the, an adult's psyche it's it's like it's like a dagger in in, in the mind um I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna assume for your for your kid um he probably uh felt it was a psychological attack from the you point <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a it's a it's a really really searing and potent noise mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the newborn cry um but 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 it sounds like uh you know it, it, Everything has been going according to plan. It sounds like um, there have been provisions in place. Have you received any aftercare from the NHS? Have you had? Uh, I think they're called health visitors. We've not had. Mm-hmm. Them yeah, they are. Yeah, so we've had. Um, well, Becky's had a call from the health visitor every day since we've been back home. Um, I think they're usually they're supposed to do like a face-to-face visit. Um, at various points, like the day the day after you've been discharged, you're supposed to do that, but um, uh, that that didn't happen. But it was just a, a kind of a quick call to check in and see how Becky and Baby were doing. Okay, so it's a phone and, call as opposed to a face to face now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, there's possible concerns that could be raised around that. You know, you, 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 someone could be putting pressure on. On Becky, um, you know, I've been trying to do that as much as possible recently since the birth. It's kind of what you do as a dad, I think, isn't it? Just yeah. pressure the mother of your child into breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And have uh, you got the dishes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not pregnant anymore. Why aren't you vacuuming? Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, but we just we just had the uh, the visit from the. The a midwife today, so we're on day five. Okay, um, and they came round to the house and weighed Cole, um, and just asking Becky a bunch of questions and, yeah. and stuff. So it, they they are still happening. I think they're just trying to minimise the physical contact and um, find other ways, more efficient ways of doing it. Did, did they ever discuss with you the vaccination plan moving forward and how that would affect things? Yeah, so apparently there's been no change with that. Um, the the doctors are still doing vaccinations for newborns and children. Um, so it was just a question of getting, or still is a question of getting called registered at the GPs and um, booking him in for that. So 
Um, yeah, that's kind of on our job list to do, but it's one of these things where the online form at the moment is down, so we, we can't do it at the moment. Uh, Phil, I mean, thank you so much for joining us on, you know, just day five of all this. I mean, I think we all remember how intense it is when you have a kid and the fact that you've spared the time to to chat with us and uh, and tell us about your experience is amazing. So so uh, so from all of us, thank you very much. Um, will you stick around um, and participate in our Am I Being Unreasonable section, which we are going to use to close out this episode? Yeah, sure. Cool. Great. Sure. Well, in that in that case, we're going to take a very brief break and then we're going to return in a moment for another edition of Am I Being Unreasonable? So we we'll see you in just a moment. Bye bye. So guys, can you hear me when I mute myself? Does it go blip when I mute myself? There is no. You don't hear that. No. Okay, good. Because every time I mute, it does the noise to me. So I wasn't sure if it was coming to you guys. One sec. And, 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 uh, oh, there we are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, what are you doing? Is anyone getting um, latency issues? Robots uh, or anything? No, I got no. a slight issue with you briefly. Yeah. Yeah, everything yeah. froze. Just completely froze for me. Yeah, but it was only once, and it was it was very brief. But it was when I tried to um, ask you something, I think. So <laughs> bad timing. If we have issues with internet connection, we can record the other pieces later on. I mean, let's see how we go. Really, I mean, yeah. Uh, I've got everything ready for this. I just need to go to the toilet quickly. Phil, awesome, really cool. That's um, that's mm. a very interesting story. Yeah, just say something on the side. <laughs> Lucky dick with the quick with the quick births, mate. Yeah. Lucky dick. I didn't yeah. want to play it too loud, you lucky motherfucker. Seriously. All of us have been going for twenty like hours. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> they do say that what once once that once the woman's body learns how to give birth, it is a lot quicker. The the the, the uterus just knows what to do. How how long was the first birth? You said uh, four hours. Uh, so it was six. Yeah, so it's about five and a half almost. Five and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hours was a lot. Um, can't remember how long, but it was longer than that. Uh, and two hours for 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 your most recent kid, which is is two hours. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They said uh, the midwife said that she was pushing for ten minutes of that time. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was mental. It just like one minute she was sort of stood up, um, having a contraction, and the next minute they were like, right, okay, you need to get on the bed. Um, <laughs> he's he's coming. Uh, so yeah, it was yeah. it was just yeah <laughs> overwhelming. It, it, it's really interesting to hear how you gave birth during this this goddamn pandemic. We we know people that have also given birth uh, in different countries. We had one person that gave birth in Spain, and she she did not like the experience. It was really bizarre. The, the hospitals were completely quarantined, closed off, halls empty, uh, everyone in just gear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, giving birth that way. For for Becky, what did she ever discuss with you? What the the the, the room was like, the birthing room, like the people in there. Were they all dressed head to toe in in gear? Um, they were. They had on like um, the face masks, but oh, that was that was it. I mean, they had they had face mask, gloves, um, and aprons. Mm-hmm. Um, but. That, that was it. I mean, the face yeah. mask was probably the weirdest part because you'd know yourselves 
the, the midwife that is responsible for the birth of your child yeah is a very well normally i think oh, cool. is a very relatable person you know they're quite invested in what they do the yeah um and you can't pick up on their facial cues you can't see like them smiling and there was one point when becky was losing a bit of blood and the, the, the midwife said oh well i'm getting a little bit concerned about this we need to call a doctor in and luckily well i mean that was the the point right before she gave birth mm. um and it wasn't really an issue after that by the time the doctor came in they said oh well she's given birth now it was the bleeding stopped mm. but you couldn't you couldn't see if she, how worried she was because she had that face mask on and you can't see when she's smiling trying to put you at ease and anything like that yeah. so yeah, that was that was a bit unnerving um but for all the things that we we could have had to put up with i mean that was fairly minor mm-hmm. it's not bad That's, yeah considering mm-hmm. the situation bad the how, man so you, your first son is, is not yeah. Yeah. So, how's how is Noah coping with the lack of interaction with other kids? Uh, it, well, I think we'd we'd noticed that he's really clingy. Um, so he he started at nursery when Becky went back to work in September last year. So he'd been there for what's that, like six months or so, uh, maybe a bit longer. And he, he loves it. He was he was doing really well. He was never one of these kids that would um cry when you left him. Mm. And uh but now he is. Now yeah. you, you can't you can't go to the toilet, you can't leave the room, like uh, we've got a sort of a kitchen diner and part of it is fenced off. Yeah, you know, it's got a child gate um in front of it. And even if you're in the kitchen, you know, getting a drink or something, he'll still wail and scream as though You've abandoned him. Um, so, yeah, we, we're kind of not looking forward to having to tackle that when it comes to going back to nursery. But, again, yeah. it could be a lot worse. And how was he with strangers? Uh, he, he's always been a bit hesitant with strangers. He, he, won't, um, he won't go to anyone. Uh, he takes a while to warm up to people. Um, but I think the only because well because we've not really had any strangers around that much. Um, the only one has been the midwife today, mm. and he just sort of sat on my knee and was looking at her and just very yeah. closely observing what she was doing. Um, but he he by the time she left, she was there for maybe half an hour. Yeah. Um, he was waving at her and chatting away and everything. So he's it's been okay. I don't think that's changed too much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. That that's interesting. That is interesting. My my kid is sixteen months, so I'm much older. Um, very. She used to be a very very social kid. Then the lockdown happened, and um, for whatever reason, she became afraid of men, um, and she, uh, just afraid of people in general. Um, Sounded really bad, Matt. Like, is it just me that hears you really badly, or? Really? That was just. Yeah, it's from Magnus when he talks. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So is my sound really shit, John? No, you you sound fine, but there's a a big bass element that kicks in when you talk. It's like a Buzz. low low bassy noise that's not your voice. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, just whenever you talk. I don't know what that is. Um, how about now? Is that better? 
Uh, maybe a little bit. Anyway, shall we crack on and get this bit re- next bit recorded? Yeah. Yeah. So, am I being unreasonable? So I explained this to you early, didn't I, um, Phil? Mm-hmm. Um, so people go on Mum's Day. Oh, actually, I explain it as part where, when I introduce when I introduce the segment. So I'll introduce it there, and you, uh, it'll be all good. Are we all ready to go? Yeah, baby. Yeah, I've got my home ba- homemade beer right now. So yeah, is it good? Beer. Very fruity. I don't think I'll get it again. I don't like fruity beer, but it's good quality, definitely. It's very fruity. Awesome. Ho Garden. Ah, Ho Garden. Very classy. Okay, right, so let's get going. Five, four. Welcome back to the final segment of this bonus Coronacast edition of Overly Honest Dads. And we're going to close out this episode with a round of Am I Being Unreasonable via Mumsnet. So for anyone who's not heard this segment before, this is a segment where we uh, essentially steal content from Mumsnet and uh, repurpose it uh, for our own our own purposes. So on this, so this is a certain board on Mumsnet. It's called Am I Being Unreasonable? And um, people post up issues that they're facing or opinions that they have and what they want to know from other mums netters is whether they are being reasonable or not and we're going to add our voices to the conversation we no one asked us to but we're doing it anyway and hopefully it will be entertaining um so i've selected five um threads for us to discuss today and the first one's actually around a news story from this week um and so i, I think it's a good one to get your guys takes on um the uh the title of this thread is youtube influencer rehomes with inverted commas adopted son and the user in question is named quiz quiz kabusi 81 quiz kabusi 81 and they say mayaka stufa a popular youtube and instagram influencer raised considerable funds to adopt a child from china the child a boy she called huxley had brain damage non-verbal autism and behavioral difficulties Micah has four biological children and adopted four-year-old Huxley 18 months ago. After quite some time of not posting anything about him, and after repeated questions from her followers, she recently uploaded a video where, in her words, she's rehomed him. And he was with people much more able and suited to deal with his complex needs. The main issue people have is the money she raised for his adoption and the secrecy regarding this at one point one of her followers noticed she had put a video up of her repainting his room and turning it into her daughter's room with no mention of him. Apparently, it was like she wanted people to forget she'd ever adopted him, and people are furious. I can see both sides as it must have been a complex and difficult decision, especially if they couldn't meet his needs. She had to consider her other children, one a small baby, but on the other hand, she wasn't very transparent about it. There are also allegations of her using duct tape on his hands, and I've seen video of her mocking him because of his meltdowns. So hopefully he's now with people more suited to his needs. Thoughts? She was mocking his meltdowns. Well, I mean, I don't have verification of that, but this is what Quiz Kabusi 81 is asserting. I, I heard about this. I, I thought you I, might. Yeah, I, I really like the... I didn't delve into the article, so I'm, I'm not fully up to date with it, but... Um... I've, I've, I've got the, the basic gist of it. Um, so, undertaking uh, a special needs child, adopting that is a huge undertaking. 
and it requires planning, it requires logistics, it requires compromise, it requires a whole host of things. If you are not fully ready for such a thing, then you are entering a paradigm shift which could be ruinous. Now, this this chick is a YouTuber. Um, She's a personality. She is someone who is for show. And so the assumption that I would make is that she did it for the likes. Um, that that's the assumption, and I would say that that assumption is now qualified based upon what she has done by rehoming this kid like he's a fucking animal. Yeah, no, that's I don't like that that phrasing. I think a lot of the issue as well as as the as Chris uh, Kabusi eighty one points out. Oh, I just realised the joke here. It's like Chris Kabusi, but it's Quiz Kabusi. Um, sorry, I just realised what the joke of the username was. Um, uh, or Chris Akabusi. Um, so, yeah, Quiz Akabusi, that's what it is. It's a joke. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's the fact that they got donations because they got a, a, a child with uh, specific needs. Um, Phil, do you have a, an opinion to share on this on this uh, situation? Uh, I suppose we don't have the information on what she spent that money on, if it's like administrative costs of adopting or you know adapting a home to accommodate for the child's needs or anything like that it's i I don't know it's i mean it it, my first reaction is that doesn't know what she's taken on and it seems like a little bit of a scam yeah i think so too john do you have any input to share on this one it seems fairly unanimous Uh, so far First of all, I'd like to say that I've never been influenced by this person. I don't even know who the fuck she is. Um, and I don't think anyone should know who she is, because she seems like a scammer, from what I've heard. And it's it's dirty to treat children that way. I think that's just dirty, man. Yeah. A dirty, dirty individual. That's, that's seem- my opinion. It seems like the users of Mumsnet fully agree. Um, Duvet Day 8. Once the smart. Says, says, <laughs> don't be rude. There's a lot of smart people in Mumsnet. Duvet Day 8 says, how can you rehome a because child? Because you're on it. Shut up. He is not an animal. Uh, I don't have an account. Um, I am a box. Says, I think she is despicable. You don't rehome a child. And Around the World in 80 Moves says, her callousness towards him is horrible. However, he is probably a lot better off out of that situation and i think we can all agree with that um so moving on the next one um is around um situation working situations during lockdown um and i I should i should just mention here that um uh, because i've not mentioned it so far on mumsnet um there are certain acronyms to be aware of so dp stands for dear partner not double penetration um uh dc stands for dear children dd stands for dear daughter ds stands for dear son um and so um yeah just so you are aware um the title of this thread is to ask dp to conduct important meetings elsewhere to ask dp to conduct important meetings elsewhere and the username is fed up mum 13 she she writes dp and myself are both working from home with a one-year-old She's teething badly at the moment, and typically most of the caring is being left to me. I have to do my work in the evenings and weekends, or when she is sleeping. It's a nightmare, but everyone has to adapt. We live in a three-bedroom house, but unfortunately no office space. As such, DP is conducting his work in the kitchen table. Not a problem most of the time, except for when he has Teams meetings, that's Microsoft Teams. 
Um, he probably has around six meetings a day, five of which are fairly informal. And so if I come into the kitchen with DD to feed her or want to make myself lunch, I'm not really interrupting much. DP has shooed me out of the kitchen because I was making some tea with DD in my arms, no less, as he was having an important meeting with six others. After the call ended, I asked if he could conduct meetings in one of our bedrooms. He's just blown up at me and accused me of being unreasonable. Am I? I don't want to be effectively locked in the living room with DD when he has these meetings. They can last over an hour and it doesn't feel fair. I had an important work meeting a few weeks back and I didn't hesitate in going upstairs. I've had a few others which I've done in the living room as they were casual, informal ones. I just wish I could go move in with my parents, to be honest, or for him to sod off to his dad's. Is she being unreasonable? <laughs> no, it's a no-brainer. Of course she's not being unreasonable. He needs to goddamn compromise. And the reason why I say that is because I've worked from home. Matt, so have you, John. So have you, Phil. I don't know if you've, you've, you've been a work from home. Yeah, How I do, you? yeah. You know what it's like right so uh, we we had pretty much a similar circumstance where i would occupy the front room we are in a flat it's a two-bedroom flat i occupy the front, front room to be fair the the, the the parent and child take priority in the house so i go into the, the bedroom especially if i've got important meetings why would he occupy the lifeline of the house why would he occupy the place where food is made it's a power it's move. Power. It's, it's like man. It's like the work from home equivalent of man spreading. There, there is, Can I ask there is, a question? Go yeah, on, go on, John. How many kids are she, uh, do they have? Is it one? I think just one. Yeah. Just one. Now they got three bedrooms. Yep. For fu- just fucking go in one of the rooms, you dickhead. Do you know what I mean? Like for fuck's sake, you're such a knob. Like go into one of the bedrooms. Yeah, idiots. Yeah. Of course, she's not being unreasonable. She shouldn't need to ask that question. It, it would appear that she's being gaslit, which is currently illegal and a psychological crime so she should probably leave him or kill him yeah <laughs> <Get a fucking, laughs> alright yeah. yeah well I think, I think it's, 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 this seems unanimous um, let's just see what other mums and nesters are saying uh, a user called skinny bitch um, says I'd be asking him to go and work in the bedroom permanently why is he downstairs confining the space you have to care for your child when there is space available upstairs amen sister um, Dom does what he wants says tell him if the meeting is important not to hold it in the kitchen because you will use a kitchen when you see fit um, surely most most of most important meetings you you know ahead of the meeting taking place so yeah, you can you, either plan plan for a meal to be ready to be eaten elsewhere or you can just go and sit in the hallway See, and that is a reasonable response and logical. This motherfucker doesn't seem to have that, and he wants to occupy the kitchen like a dickhead. So, yeah. No, no, she should leave him. That is clear. Um, Okay, so the next one, very different subject. Let's warn you, this is going to be a very different subject. Um, The username is called, ah, come on now. And the subject of the thread is, today I pissed on the back seat of the car. (laughs) <laughs> yes that's the one let's hear this one <laughs> i love it already okay okay when did you start so... posting on mum's name matt <laughs> no, this is, yeah. I, you know i don't drive it can't be me um so i've this is, so um i come on now writes i've read a few a few threads that say why do people keep asking where you're going to the toilet well i'll tell you why because it's a very very important issue with the current lockdown rules 
And I don't know what this next bit is, and so I'm going to read it out, but I don't know what it means. She says, I've not name-changed, so I can't be accused of being a piss troll. Okay. I have no idea what a piss troll is. Yeah, Yeah. can't write. That's fine. Move on. (laughs) So I set off today to see my mum. A one-hour drive. I'd done it once before, and the last time I went with the strategy of being dehydrated. It worked, but caused a huge headache. However, this time, we wanted to meet for longer than just a quick walk. A picnic was planned. So, with my birth injuries, plus my Diet Coke addiction, uh, addiction, I formulated a plan. Three nappies double-bagged to make a travel potty. Uh, I felt confident, liberated even. I drank my Coke with zero trepidation. On my return journey, I pulled into a secluded lay-by and retired to the back seat to make use of the travel potty. As I finished, on looking down, I was just in time to see the huge puddle soak into the see soak down into the back seat. I fear that the bit of a rub with a wet wipe may not have done the trick. Tomorrow, I need to come up with an excuse to go out in the car so I can sprinkle bicarb and drive around with the windows open before my husband finds out and files this under unreasonable behaviour in the divorce proceedings. Was I being unreasonable to piss in the car? Has anyone else yes. resorted to yes, such barbaric ways during these unprecedented times? You can find a bush, you idiot! I mean, <laughs> fucking hell! Yeah, seriously. Uh, John, like, for, for men, the world is, is, is a toilet, but for women... But it's it, 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 she I, could have had that potty that she made out of nappies and gone and pissed in a bush, like, you know what I mean, with the little potty I, thing. It's the same I, thing, I, just I, not I, in a fucking car. I mean, fucking hell, man. It's, she yeah. even planned it though. She she knew ahead of schedule that she was going to need to piss, but she didn't think, oh, where's the nearest service station? Yeah, idiot. You know, yeah, thinking about it is pretty pretty. You pissed in a car before, haven't you, Mag? That's why you protected I... her. You pissed no, in a no, car I, before, I, haven't you? No, no, I accidentally shit in a car. It, it shot. There you out. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was bad. Um, yeah, I, idiot. I, 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 yeah. Um, I'm 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 empathising with her. Well, I, I'm 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 being compassionate with her. I think that she tried to make, she tried to come up with some kind of plan, and probably wasn't the best plan. But there was there was there was there was heart in that plan in order to not inconvenience everyone else. However, as we can now see, plan did not go to plan, uh, and so she pissed. And did not go to plan. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I feel for her. I, I, I don't think we should be harsh, guys. She's, yeah, it's, yeah, it is what it is. Phil, any thoughts? You can buy a shiwi. Yes, you can. <laughs> buy a fucking yeah, shiwi. And shiwi. Piss, piss in a bush. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> fuck is a shiwi? Never heard of that before. It's a Maybe funnel that that they they put strategically above the piss hole, beneath the yeah. piss hole. <laughs> is uh, that the technical term there, Phil? <laughs> piss hole. <laughs> when we were in assembly. You could hear the Karens typing the complaints. Okay, right. So I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I mean, I've not given my opinion on this yet. Personally, I think that, you know, if you, if you know you need to do something, you can come up with a better plan than three nappies, double bagged. I mean, that seems just some bullshit like low grade MacGyver shit that no one needs. <laughs> low grade MacGyver? That's amazing. <laughs> low grade MacGyver. Okay. So moving on. The next one, uh, next thread um, is by a poster called Robert Smith Does My Hair. I'm guessing that's Robert Smith as in the singer of The Cure, singer of such amazing songs as Friday, Friday I'm in Love, which is one of my daughter's favorite songs to dance around the living room to. 
Um, the the thread is called "Female Neighbor Texting My DH Every Day." Just a reminder: DH standing for dear husband. So, Robert Robert Smith does my hair. Writes the following: I'm furloughed, so at home every day. DH working full time. Female neighbor texts my DH every day while he's at work. Can I borrow something? Do you have etc. I'm in the supermarket. Do you want anything? She never texts or asks me. Am I being unreasonable to feel uncomfortable with this? Porking her. It's, it's probably not. She's, she's probably interested. But... Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, of course. But obviously, That's he must have been responding if she keeps being persistent. Yeah, I think so. And why do why why, why does she have his number? Please. She probably waggled it out of him. Yeah, as as you do. It, it, it's, it, it's emotional cheating, like super light version. Yeah. So do we think that she is being reasonable? Phil, any thoughts? Uh, we don't know what this woman's like. She might have been really like off with her or just appeared to be unapproachable um, and her husband wasn't quite so. Um, I don't know. He's probably shagging her, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the reality. We've had a lot of reasonable ones tonight, Matt. I'm quite surprised. We've had no like dickhead person coming up with some stupid shit apart from a lady that pissed in the car. I'm surprised, man. Well, get ready. Get ready, oh, John, because go. there's one coming up here now. So the the poster is called Wow Said. So the word wow and the word said mashed together in some kind of unsatisfying portmanteau. Um the the thread is called Next Door Have Bought a Fucking Beagle. Okay. Like the dog, a beagle. So next door I've bought a fucking beagle that barks a lot. Still a puppy, so should I be worried it's going to get worse or could it actually get better? I know beagles are known for being noisy, which makes me question their breed choice considering we live in uh, Edwardian maisonettes in southeast London, i.e. close together. The irony is they used to complain bitterly about their upstairs neighbour before they left. What uh, what about when they both go back to work? Am I being unreasonable to get this to stop ASAP? That's fucking weird. It is. Bill, and how how do you get it to stop? Yeah, apart from apart from them getting rid of the dog, what what is their suggestion? Different. And this is, I think, the reaction that most people are having on on Mumsnet. Like for the the first response is, how would you get it to stop? How how will you make a dog stop barking if it's not your dog? Give it speed, John, like in there's something about Mary. Speed. Antifreeze, just yeah. antifreeze. Antifreeze. <laughs> so the suggestion so far is speed and antifreeze. <laughs> I I'm not sure that I'm not sure we're along the right lines here, people. I, um, I, I think it's it's unreasonable. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's as simple as it, if it gets better, it gets better. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then you have to have a word with them. But, you know, money on the internet ain't going to change shit. Simple. Uh, and, and she goes on you to say... can do what they want anyway. In, in another reply later, she says that uh, she hasn't got her son uh, to sleep. Uh, uh, he, the son's waking up essentially at 5.30 every day. And she says, fuck that completely. Um and then someone says, how would you get a, a stop a puppy from barking? And then she replies, ask them to give the puppy the attention it is asking for. <laughs> At 5.30 in the morning. I think this person hasn't owned a dog before. Um, yeah. Are we going to agree that, that Wow said is being unreasonable here? Yeah, a bit bizarre. 
Yeah, very bizarre. I mean, you know, mum's net talking about fucking dogs. I mean, I know it's not dogs net. Ultimately, she replies an awful lot. She might be a dog. We don't know, do we? There's no need for that, John. There's no need. So we've got one more, and this is a very um, lockdown-specific um, question. Um, uh, it's I can't really pronounce this this username because it's Welsh. Welsh Maynard is what I'm going to say. It's it, the username is, and the subject line is smoking in the supermarket queue. So they say, am I being unreasonable to think this is vile and selfish? I was stood queuing to get into a supermarket with one of the kids, and the man directly in front of us was smoking. It was a particularly strong and manky-smelling cigarette too. Love the use of the word manky there. Um, the breeze was blowing it directly into our faces. I'm not normally super precious about people smoking outside if they're away from others, but when it's being blown into my face and I can't move away without losing my place in the queue, I find it objectionable. I didn't say anything because my daughter cringes when I cause a scene, but if this happens again when I'm alone, would I, being unreason would I be being unreasonable to ask them to extinguish it? Furthermore, if they refuse, would I be unreasonable to knock it out of their hand with my walking stick? <laughs> this maintaining <laughs> safe social distancing. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think she's been unreasonable <laughs> at, at all. Uh, so smoking in a queue uh, is, 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 is is thoroughly un-British. It's been awkward for, for decades, and as of late, it's just a complete faux pas and just inconsiderate. Uh, they got there me. first. I mean, wouldn't he? Uh, does that? I, I don't know. Would he win the argument? Because well, I got here first. You'll be behind me. I, I, I you know. I think you expect in a queue that someone will join behind you. Yeah. That's kind of the nature of a queue, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's reasonable to smoke anyway. Even if it's social distancing, you're not far enough apart to not annoy someone. So, I mean, yeah. Matt, would you do it? Would you smoke in front of someone in a queue? Uh, no, I don't think I'd have ever done that. Um, I mean, if there was a big space between people before, I mean, I wouldn't vape like around people like that now. I'm very careful even walking down the street vaping. Um, like, I make sure there's no one that's going to be in my vape cloud if I can. If I Up can. Absolutely uh... fucking going. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and I think that mum's letters are agreeing that it is um it is a uh, uh, unreasonable to smoke in that context. But I would like to add that knocking the cigarette out of the hand with the walking stick is probably um not the way to solve the problem that's a bit of a karen thing to do that is D john you need to stop your I karen obsession the solution. <laughs> well phil you think karen. it's a good idea as long as they film it uh, yeah absolutely. as long as you get entertainment value from it then that's the that's yeah. the important thing okay well that's a good moral to take away from it as long as phil is entertained who cares exactly right well, that brings us to the end of this uh, of this section of Am I Being Unreasonable? And indeed, this podcast. So um, so we're going to go back to our lockdown lives now. And Phil is going to go back to caring for a newborn. Um, but thank you so much, Phil, for joining it. Like, genuinely, it's uh, uh, it, it's great that you've taken time out of your lives to, to talk to us today um, for uh, for our little podcast. So thank you. Thank you oh, for having me. Ah, anytime. Maybe you could come back on in the future and tell us about how everything's going with uh, with Noah and Cole and your growing family. Yeah, yeah, anytime. Awesome. So, all that remains is for me to thank uh, uh, Magnus. My pleasure. And John. Thank you. 
and we'll be joining you again soon for another podcast i mean at the moment as at the time of recording uh, we are um, apparently allowed to meet up in garden soon so we might look into um, recording in a garden but it's all kind of dependent on john and his shielding situation so it remains to be seen it might just be me and magnus partying and not recording anything and john sitting at home but let's Aww. see what happens i know it's sad isn't it um but uh, but we'll be back in your ears soon enough we've got um uh, more episodes that we've recorded pre-corona uh, um, that are due to be going up. So you'll, th- there'll be plenty of us coming into your ears very soon. Thank you so much for your time. Hope you're well out there in, in, in the world. And we'll see you again soon for more Overly Honest Dads. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.